So welcome to listeners of the Naffy Break podcast. I'm your host, Dominic O'Sullivan. And as always, we talk to people with the lived experience of the transition from the military into a successful second career. Now that success is always uh, relative, of course, and success to one person maybe completely different to somebody else. Um, But we always look at different angles. We talk to families, we talk to support agencies, uh, but importantly, it's that lived experience of the individual that we always come back to. I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast today, somebody who's decided to, as we say, stand up and serve again. So delighted to welcome onto the pod today, uh, Will Stone, who is a Swindon Borough Councillor and has stood up and served again. Will, welcome onto the Naffy Break podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, it's an honour to be here. Uh, well, listen, my consciousness was uh, was pricked when I saw a particular post in, in the media about you championing and, and shouting about veteran causes and, and doing more for veterans in your area. So straight away, I was I was drawn to uh, your story. Um, but before we kind of get on to that, and I suppose what you're championing now, uh, let's go back to the the young Will Stone. Um, I know you're an army veteran. What was the uh, what was the trigger point for you to join the army in the first place? So t- to be honest, it's, it's quite weird. Like my, my dad was in the army. He was in the Gloucesters, so the kind of former regiment that amalgamated into the rifles. But when I was at school, I didn't think I'd join the army. I didn't really have any interests. Like I was just happy bumming around. But I left school with pretty terrible GCSEs. I did a bit of work in a factory, did some call centre work, and it just it just wasn't for me, and it wasn't sparking. I kind of a lot of my friends were kind of getting on with their lives, getting trades, going to university, or preparing to go to university, and I I didn't really feel like I was doing anything. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna gonna go into the careers office, have a chat to them, see what my options are, and um yeah, three months after that, I was in up in ITC Catrick as a, a training to be a rifleman. <laughs> So, uh, Booth, there you go. So, you go into the rifles. I, I know you served for about five years. If you look back on that five years, what was the biggest change in Willstone during that time? Uh, to be honest, there, there, there was so much. Like, I, I think I was, I wouldn't say I was lazy before going in the army, but I, did, I was, I wouldn't even say workshop, but you just don't really appreciate the value of hard work, you know. So, I, I think, I think that's a big thing. I think. I became a lot more accountable as well to just not only like other to myself but to other people because you have to work in like a team and you have to do a lot of stuff so it's it it makes you like accountable it makes you more gritty and I think definitely timekeeping I've got I've got a lot better with timekeeping since then but um also as well like because you you meet so many people and that's the big thing like you you can be kind of closed off before going in the army and then you're thrown into a room with like 30 other people and you get to know them from all different walks of life and you know, so I, I learned a lot more about myself through knowing other people, you know. Yeah, I, the interesting one for me is when you're thrown into those barrack rooms when you're going through training, you get a different sense of what privacy is, uh, don't you? Because you yeah. haven't got any for a, for a number of months. But yeah, interesting there where you say, you know, you can be quite closed off. And yet I, I'd imagine if you speak to young people, you know, before they join the army, they think, oh, no, I've got a big circle of friends and, you know, I've this that, and the other. But you're going into a massive circle of friends, aren't you? You're going into a, a massive family. Big, big culture shock, I'd imagine. Yeah. I, I would say another thing which is which has definitely helped me in politics, which is definitely from the from the army, is like you you learn to take abuse to a certain nature. And I don't really let it get under my skin, you know, because I some some of like my political opposition have said like horrible things about me and tried to wind me up. And I'm like, you're never going to be worse than my sergeant in basic training. 
you know like you're, you're just you you, you you can say anything really and i'm just i could just take it and carry on operating because that the army does give you that it gives you a tougher skin and you you know you you learn to operate under stressful like situations so that's that's a real positive would you say that level of resilience i suppose the ability to detach yourself personally from a situation you know whether that's work related you know politics if you've said but actually sort of focus on what you need to do without allowing the personal emotions to come out you know there's there's um there's books that you could read you know and one that springs to mind is the chimp paradox you know when emotions kind of run out yeah. of control and, and and it goes crazy but do you think that's something that that the army instilled in you yeah no def- definitely like I, I i remember like one one of my corporals in basic training a guy called corporal kelly like he was a dickhead like in training purposes he was a dickhead he used to just smash me and like like yeah dickhead but like i met him afterwards so he left the army and then he ended up rejoining and came to one rifles and when he came back i was a pti and i was like you know not not on a similar plane level because he was still a corporal but like i, I spoke to him in the naffy as like people to people and he was like well it, it's my job do you know what i mean and then you get to know he's not actually a prick he's, he's really not but in that situation it's his job to turn me into someone who can go out and do my job so there's there's certain things you have to do you know and like you 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 learn you learn to respect that. So yeah, I, I definitely yeah. think it, it not necessarily detached because you can't be switched off when you're doing your job. You still have to be switched on, but it teaches you to leave your emotions at the door because you you, yeah. you have a job to do. You can't necessarily do what you want. You can't let things get the better of you. You do have to perform at a very intense level. So. Uh, and I suppose everyone's got a tipping point, haven't they? I and mean, you know, we characterise that. I suppose that drill sergeant, that corporal in basic training, as almost we look back on it now and say, you know, they're playing to a character type in some yeah. ways. You know, some people enjoy doing that more than others. I, I'd imagine, but you know, actually, there's a purpose behind it, and it's because they need to test where your where your snapping point, maybe, or your breaking point is, and and actually push that even further so you become more resilient so yeah I, th- I think we've probably all got those those stories those memories of a corporal kelly when we went through a training i you know i can remember mine uh, quite vividly from training um will tell us a little bit now obviously when you're you know you do your five years you're in the rifles uh, you know you said there the experiences and the things that it developed in you at what point did you start thinking actually this isn't for me any longer or i kind of want to go and do something else was there a particular thing that triggered you to to think differently or was it just a you know i i grew up and i grew out of it sort of thing what what was the what was the circumstances for you so i I wouldn't say there was a particular moment where i just switched and decided i didn't want to do it anymore because i i'm like unlike a lot of people i'm not too i'm not too negative about the army i appreciate it for what it is there were a lot of high points. There were some low points as well, but I'm not one of these people that got out and hate the army. Like it, it did a tremendous amount for me, but um, I, I was on the army jujitsu team. I, I competed judo in the army and I, I was, I was doing quite a lot. Like I, I was training quite a lot. I got to go out and represent the army in the world championships, the European championships. And I, I was competing at, in my opinion, an okay level of jujitsu. And there was that kind of switch in my head. It's like, if I want to take this seriously, I'm going to have to leave the army because as great as the army is, when you're on exercise, you're on exercise. When you've got a job to do, you've got a job to do. And the job comes first, and rightfully so. And it's like, if you want to be a high-level athlete, which I was aspiring to be at one point, like, or teach jiu-jitsu, you, you have to be doing that all the time. You can't be having six months off. So it's kind of, I, I decided to take that leap because I wanted to progress in something else as opposed to, 
I was like, screw the army, I've had enough, you know. I, I did contemplate joining the reserves, actually, but it's just time-wise, you know, you, you've only got so many hours in the day. And I suppose once you uncover that that kind of passion and you've got a real purpose, as you said, you know, you want to compete, you want to, um, you want to teach jiu-jitsu, then actually, you know, that's a natural thing, isn't it? You are following your passion. So, you know, we always talk about people when they leave and say, you know, what are you really passionate about? You know, what's going to be your new purpose? It's ideally you had yours before you even left. Yeah. So it, it was it was quite good, to be fair. Like I'm not gonna not gonna, yeah. not gonna complain about that one. Um so listen, you you decided you know exactly what you want to do and you're gonna pursue the jujitsu. Um what was the kind of first step once you left then in terms of preparing? Because not a traditional transition there in terms of I'm gonna, you know, look for a career path in you know a normal job or whatever. Jiu-jitsu is is the thing. Well, yeah. how, how did that transition work out then? So I, I I was really lucky to be fair. So when when obviously when you sign off, you get an app, you get a um a year where you you have to like sort yourself out. But majority of people when when they have that year, they get fucked off on guard duty most of the time and messed around. But but for me being a PTI, I was still kind of somewhat useful. So they got me doing gym duties and stuff like that. But a lot of the time, I was allowed to go out and do what I wanted to set myself up. So, you know, I, I was still training jiu-jitsu. I was still competing. I was going out. I set up all the affiliation and everything like that But before I left the army. So as, as, as soon as I left, I think, I, like I said to you earlier, I had like two months where I with my transition period where I went out and trained just to like sharpen myself up a little bit more. But everything was pretty much ready to go before I had left. Like I, I, spe- I used that last year wisely, you know. Which was, which was, uh, you know, quite often we hear about people almost kind of drifting through that year and then at the last minute going, I haven't got a plan, you know, things like, where am I going to live? You know, what am I going to do for, for work? So were you, were you settling in the area that you were, were actually stationed in to start with, or did it involve relocation? No. So, um, I, I'm, I'm from Swindon, obviously, but, um, I was based at Chepstow at the time. So in my final, what, two years of the army, I was doing a lot of commuting from Swindon area. So I was living in the Swindon area, commuting to Chepstow, sometimes staying in the block if I had to. But yeah, mostly I, I was already settled, which was nice. So listen, self-employment is, is a big step and a, a challenge for a lot of people anyway. And you've talked about teaching, teaching jujitsu. You've done a lot of preparation before you've left. And in a way, you've got a, a soft landing because you've done your homework beforehand. In terms of what you set out to do, did it kind of work out as you wanted? What were the big lessons? It, it was a lot tougher than I expected. So obviously, I I, I knew it was going to be hard to get, get the gym off the ground running because it, it's, it's not going to be easy. You've got to get people to buy in. And like, nobody wants to start at an empty gym. But um, I, yeah, so I'll say like the first 18 months were really tough. Like I, I was I was barely breaking even, you know, that's why I had to take up a second, second job being a bouncer. But after that, yeah, like the students, it was really weird. Like one day, people just started rolling in. And like now I've got 52 students and it's it's, 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 it's a good living, you know. But um, yeah, it, it was tough at the start because... But you've said that, I mean, you've stuck to your plan. You, you know, you've obviously got a little bit resilience again. You you haven't necessarily got the number of students you need. You're just about to talk about breaking even. But interestingly there, and you almost made light of it, really, you took another job. So it wasn't a case of, oh, this isn't working. You kind of said, well, I need to do something else. You've mentioned there about doing sort of door work. Um, 
was that just because it was the easiest thing to drop into with the kind of you know background that you've got and you've got a physicality about you obviously i'd imagine through the through the jiu-jitsu why why did you why did you choose the um the door work it, it was the hours to be honest i i could make it fit around jiu-jitsu if, if i if i could have found another job where i could work like four or five hours on a friday and saturday you know and get the same pay i, I probably would have done that because Dork's not glamorous, despite what everybody thinks. Well, I don't know if everyone thinks that, but people think you stand there. It's a lot of times similar to staggering on the army. You like in the winter, you're standing on the front of a cold, wet door, dealing with people who are quite drunk. You know, even, even as, much, as nice as they are, it's 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 not an ideal job. Like I, I I did enjoy it from time to time, and I ended up being the head doorman of a place called Medina, which is now closed. But f- for me, yeah, it was it was the convenience that I could fit it around jiu-jitsu that that was mainly why i was doing it but but what i love about that is it's almost like right i've got a plan okay i need to get through this period i need to get things off the ground and you're prepared to put in extra hours give up your friday saturday nights to to stay on the plan you didn't get diverted from that um obviously now as you said 18 months down the line things start to progress and and you know you've got the business coming in what's the one thing that you didn't expect that you've kind of now realized maybe I could have prepared for that or you just have to kind of deal with it when it comes. What was the surprise in that time? I, I feel like I accounted for most things. But like I say, what, one, one of the surprises, I guess, is like not having the support structure of being in the army. You know, you do feel somewhat alone and you don't have the safety net. So that was kind of surprising. I think doing food shopping, that, that was a big surprise. It sounds a weird one, but you don't realize how much stuff costs until you're out of the army. But as, as for the business and job-wise, like, I kind of expected in my head it was going to take a while to take off, you know, but I, I, I really do have, and this is a military thing as well. I really do have a belief in myself, you know, that's, that's instilled in me. Like, like I was like, I think five times army champion. I won the open weight division twice. I was like, you know, I've competed across the world. I got silvers in the British national gold in a lot of local competitions. So I, I really do believe in myself. And I think that's a real big military thing of backing yourself. So I, w- I wasn't too surprised. I knew that it was going to be tough and I kind of knew I was going to have to persevere through and keep pushing, but I just always believed I could do it. Well, there's two things in there for me. One is um, I-, I think, you know, when you talk about confidence, belief in yourself, you know, when somebody who's been in the military or is in the military walks into a room of, let's say normal, you know, civvies, there's a kind of a presence maybe not a swagger but a a presence that you have that self-confidence you carry yourself upright and all and people notice it you don't even need to say that you serve or or you're a veteran they recognize that straight away so that sounds like you've got that you've got that confidence that self-belief and again you know built through the army i think the other side of it is the things you talk about learning to be a civvy you know going shopping how much does stuff cost you didn't have to go to the co-op to get buy all the ingredients for every meal you had when you're in the block in the army but it's kind of that learning to be a civvy period of time i'd imagine as well to get comfortable with that yeah like like i said that that is it is it is it is different because like when you're in the army like you 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 know you can always go to the nasa you know like it, it did change towards the end where you had to pay as you dine for me which i didn't like as much but even that i think like you you could get a meal for one pound one pound fifty or something so like there's always that option you know whereas in normal life you, you just have, you have to do a lot more things you have to worry about bills you have to worry about paying stuff like you have to go shopping it's it is different 
And like, I guess. Yeah, and you imagine if you if you go in as a you know as a teenager and you spend twenty two years being inside this big machine and never having to do those things, that's a massive culture shock when you come out. I suppose Definitely. you can still remember the pre army days. By the time yeah. this came out, it's only five years down the line. Um, well, obviously, you know the reason why we we connected initially was your work as a as a counselor. I'm kind of intrigued now. You've you've got you know you've got a business. You've got that off the ground. You've taken second work to sustain yourself while that's building, and we still find the time and the energy and the desire to get involved in politics. What what's the start point for that? Because I'm often intrigued to see you know when we talk about politics, people automatically think you know member of parliament, etc. But actually, we're talking here about getting involved in your local community. And that's serving the local community. So why, I suppose, is the first question. So um, I, I got involved in politics after I stopped being a doorman as well. So that, that gave me a little bit freer time. But um, to be honest, it was like, and I'm not I'm not just coming on it to bash, because we, we've had 20 years of Conservative Council, but I don't really want to get into tit for tat. But I saw a lot of failings in my hometown. And I, I, re- I really love Swindon. Like, I've, I've grown up here. I lived there pretty much my whole life outside being in the army, you know, I, I love it. And I noticed a lot of failings and there was a lot of issues. And I was contacting the council because that's what you do as a business owner. When 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 stuff starts going wrong and you notice things aren't right, you start contacting people. And it just was getting either fobbed off or getting no responses. And I'm sat there and I'm moaning to my, my missus and she's like, well, well, get involved. Do you know what I mean? And like I said to you, I, w- I wasn't really politically savvy when I was in the army. To be fair, I didn't. I didn't really know. I always voted because it's it's your duty to vote. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, you. Every everyone should vote, but I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was politically savvy. I wouldn't say I was aligned to a party. So I just started reading different books and having a look at it and watching TED talks and going online. And the more I got involved, I was like, well, actually, I I feel like I'm a socialist. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, this this is like especially if you, if you if you look at what's happened in the army and the cutbacks and stuff like that. But, you know, I feel like we want to be raising everybody in society as opposed to keeping certain people rich. And I started reading more and I ended up joining the Labour Party. And um, it, it was fantastic, you know, like, the, I don't know about every group, but in Swindon, we, in Swindon, especially North Swindon, we've got a really good, solid group of people. And we they, they, they hold events and we go out and we door knock and we deliver leaflets. And I just, just really liked it. I felt like it, it was a good step. So I can't remember who it was, but what one of the existing councillors was like, oh, you should you should look at becoming a parish councillor. So I was like, yeah, why, why not? You know, I got involved to start helping people. I got involved to make a difference. So I signed up, basically, and I stood for election. And I won by, I think it was 11 votes the first time. I became a parish councillor in Pinehurst. It was really tight. And on the day, I, like, I was trying to vote count and I thought I'd lost, but I got lucky. Ended up becoming a parish councillor, got to start working for the residents. It was, um, yeah, it was it was really good. You know, I I, I started now, making some positive change. Let me let me jump in for a second because you said you know you, you get frustrated as a business owner, you start contacting the council. What are the issues that were important to you that you were getting frustrated with that actually led you down this path? Because I'm I'm kind of imagining we're not talking about you know, strategic tax policies or anything like that. So we're talking about local issues. What were the local issues that actually spurred you into wanting to take some action? To be honest with you, so the, the first big one, which I remember having a proper moan about, was fly tipping. 
you know what like there's there's so much fly tipping like in the alleyways around the gore sill the town center stuff like, like there's, there's fly tipping everywhere so that was a big one i was moaning about but it was also like our local leisure facilities were just you could see they're underfunded and it, this is before they closed now you could you could see that the council weren't investing and they were selling off assets and to me as an outsider it just it just seemed ridiculous you know like all all this stuff is gone like there's there's no youth well there's not any youth clubs like there used to be and stuff. I just, I started to notice that. And I could see there's like, we'd have issues with antisocial behaviour. And at first I was like, oh, we need more police. And, you know, like these kids shouldn't be doing that. Can you take that sort of strict authoritarian approach? But then you, you you break it back and you go, well, why why are the kids on the street? Why are they getting into gangs? Why are they doing that? And you start to do more research and you go, well, it's because they're not getting any youth investment. There's no youth provisions anymore. And it's, it, it was that sort of stuff. So I'd say fly tipping first and then, you just see the community deteriorating around you. And, you, you know, for me, I couldn't stand idly by. Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting for me because you've said, you know, proud to be brought up in Swindon, love Swindon. It's your, it's your community. You've got a pride and, a, and an ownership and, a, and an attachment to Swindon. I kind of wonder if there's a parallel here with when you're in the army, you know, it's, that's your community you're attached to that you're you know you're passionate about what you're doing while you're in there do you do you think that the i suppose the trigger to to stand up and serve again to get involved is because you had that confidence and that built from the army was that do you think that almost kind of pushed you forward to to do it yeah def- definitely you know like i i would say like like we were talking about earlier the, the attitude of being in the army is is a positive thing like I, I sometimes like a lot of my my peers I, I i've managed to break through relatively quickly you know like i like i'm one of the youngest councillors in, in 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 swindon and especially in the labor group i am i am the youngest in, in the labor group but it's because i kind of just had that brute force or slash ignorance of being in the army I was like, i'm just i'm just gonna do it if i if I, i'm just gonna go forward i'm gonna be a hammer and i'm just gonna smash my way through and i'm, I'm gonna become a councillor you know so the typical thing about you know you could say about military people is we get the job done right whatever yeah. it is we'll find a way to get the job done so listen starts with parish council which you know i suppose the first step of the ladder in terms of you know politics and, and whatever it it progresses from there i know you know how does it progress you know how do you you know when you said there you're one of the youngest councillors to be in place you know most people will look at it and, and if they say politics they say councillors they won't necessarily or certain our generation won't necessarily see a mirror image of themselves they will see this older demographic that's holding these positions how do you break into that and how does that that i suppose because it's a career path in some ways i suppose how does that develop for for somebody who wants to get involved in politics so so for me like well what i would say to anybody who's trying to get involved in politics is one do it because politics is for the people and and you're 100 percent right in what you said there it's like if, if you look across the board it's not always a diverse spectrum you know it's, it's it's not so if you have any inkling don't get put off by it but it is tough it does take time so i would say join like I say join whatever party you feel that you can affiliate with join that party get involved in the canvassing, speak to the people. But but a big a big thing which I would say puts people off from doing it, in at least in Swindon anyway, you get you, you get paid to be a borough councillor and, and a parish councillor. So parish councillors get paid a thousand pound a year. And if you actually look at the effort I put in, I'm at a negative. 
And the same with a bar- with the borough council, you get paid £9,000 a year, which is great. But a lot of people who are my age have families, have full-time jobs, which are nine to five. So fitting in the councillor work is hard. You know, like I managed to do it around jiu-jitsu, which, which is perfect for me. But I would say that is the reason why we do get a lot of older people and retired people, because they have the time to do it. But that is sometimes a shame because they don't also have the energy to get out and do as much as they would like to do. But yeah, if- talk about that energy in particular. I mean, you, you've, you've mentioned a few things. I wasn't aware of what the kind of, um, you know, income or, or payments were like at, at those different levels. But you've mentioned there about energy. You know, give us a typical example of what you've had to do to, to generate the kind of response and, and the support that you've got to, to get up the ladder, if you like, you know, because because we've talked, you know, earlier on about your willingness to go and do extra work to kind of, you know, channel while the business was getting off the ground. What have you had to do now? So I, I, I'm a big believer in structure. And that's probably one of the reasons I didn't fall flat on my face when I got out of the army, because I, I put structure out there and make myself accountable. So I, when I decided I wanted to stand for Rob Boncini, which is which is the borough area I represent. Obviously, I spoke to the existing councillors that were there and they, they were doing stuff. Like Obviously, they were going out doing it. But I was like, I want to be out five days a week. So we set up a team and it was first me and Jim Grant. We decided we we're going to go out 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock every day, well, every weekday. And we we're going to campaign. And then twice a week after that, we were going to go and do a litter pick, a graffiti clean or some form of community engagement on top. So I just set out that structure of what we were going to do was that. And then we just stuck to it, you know. But yeah, like... I don't know how many leaflets I've delivered now. I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. But um, I think in the short campaign, which is the eight weeks before the election, I delivered 30,000 leaflets. And I, that's that's by myself. You know, that that's huge. And I knocked on, in a, in a year, I knocked on 6,000 doors. All right. So it's... And, I mean, there's a willingness to do the work here. But, and I kind of, but I love the fact that there's a plan there's a battle plan here you kind of know what you can do you've got a structure and you're relentless with that and obviously that's no mean amount of energy that's been expended there just you know when you talk about the the leaflet delivery there and anyone that's done a paper round will know how long you know that takes in itself but i suppose your your approach to this sounds like this is quite different to what's gone before and are people are people responding to that or are you kind of seen as well you're just upsetting the the, the status quo here how, how does that there's, kind of come there's a mixture of both so we've we've got certain people who are really pro it and they're like this is great we see him well active it's awesome but then you've got other people like no, nobody ever questions the door knocking or the leaflets that that, ne- that never gets questioned because that's that's what's always kind of been done not to this extent but it's always been done but where, where I do get some people drawback is with the litter picks and the community stuff. Because a lot of people say, oh, well, you, you don't need to do that. You know, it's it's showing that you um you don't you don't know how to govern and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong, I put policy forward through and we, we do motions. But for me, we're we're in opposition. So you have a limited tool set, right? And I've got to show the community that I am part of it and that I can serve them. And if I'm not in if I'm not in charge of the council. I'm limited. I can only moan. So for me, it was a no-brainer to go out and start working in the community because you build people's trust through doing hard work and people like that. But some of the other politicians don't want to do that. So they would rather say it's not needed. But, you know, we, we lost Rob Bonchini the year before I stood. This time we won it with a 560-odd majority. So there's there's something going there. 
do you, do you think when you're you're leading here? I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, there's a, you're showing leadership there and saying, you know, this is this is a different way, but you know, this is what we're going to do. Do you think that that sets a bar for people who haven't done that kind of thing before, and actually they think, well, if if you're doing that now, that means I'm going to have to do it as well. Do you think that's why you're getting the the resistance from some quarters? P- potentially, but I, I also think there's always that way, and the army the army's guilty of this as well. It's like it's always been done this way. This is the way we do it. You know, like we're, we're, we, well, when I was in, we were still getting ready in woodblocks, preparing for the Cold War. Do you know what I mean? Where we should have been doing building clearance. Well, we did little bits of building clearance stuff, but like it was mainly that sort of, well, I did this, so you do this and you do this. You know what I mean? So I, I, I understand it, but times do have to change and we do have to evolve, you know? And there are a lot of people that are on board and things are going in the direction because people can't argue with the results ultimately. You know, when, when you get the results... But like I said, this this isn't necessarily a new a new a new thing, I guess. Because like one of the people, and he's he's not he's not a labor he wasn't a labor politician, but he is someone I do I do look up to. And that's Paddy Ashdown. Do you know Paddy? Yep. Yeah. So like yeah. Paddy is a geezer. Marine. Yeah, exactly. Royal Marine, SBS, proper geezer. And like whether he's a liberal or not is a, is a different matter. We don't agree ideology on politics, but his work ethic was was second to none because of that army mentality and i remember watching a documentary on him and he was talking about he goes oh well i was told i had to knock on ten thousand doors to win so i knocked from 15 do you know what i mean like it's it's that attitude and so it's not that i'm doing anything revolutionary it's just i'm bringing it forward to this local area i guess uh, absolutely and i love some of those insights there well obviously you've 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 got your business you've got jiu-jitsu you're a borough councillor you do you look at it now and go right how far can i go and have you set yourself a trajectory to say the, the business is going here i'm going here how far ahead do you look right now so i'm, I'm gonna give you an exclusive now so like I, haven't, I haven't said this out, out well i've said it out loud multiple times but i haven't, I haven't said it on social media or anything like that yet. So I am going to be putting myself forward to be the North Swindon parliamentary candidate. I am hopefully going to win. You know, I've, I've got, I've got a lot of supporters already in North Swindon. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough battle to win the selection and be the Labour candidate. And it's going to be an even tougher battle to beat Justin Tomlinson. But I think I'm game for it. I think I've proved myself already. So yeah, like I, I want to be an MP and I want to represent the people of North Swindon and I also want to represent the veteran community. You know, that's it's really important. There's not enough veterans in in politics. Well, you give me a lovely segue there, because obviously the reason why we uh, originally connected was about your championing of um, veteran causes and saying that more should be done in your local area. Let's, I mean, obviously, listeners to the Naffy Brig aren't necessarily in North Swindon. They're, they're all over the country. But what's your take on, I suppose veterans and, and veteran issues you know nationally i mean do you, why why are you so kind of passionate about making that one of your um your, your sort of um issues well I, I i think it's an issue that doesn't get discussed as, as much as it deserves to be quite honest with you you know like i think it's, it's estimated that there's there's 90 suicides a year in the veteran community you know since leaving the army, there's been four people that I served with personally who've taken their lives. So there, there is there is a problem. Like I can't remember the exact statistics on it, but I think like males are more likely to commit suicide than females. And if you were in the army and you're a veteran, that doubles. You know, so it is it, it's definitely a thing. And like I say, I don't. It's not that I'm knocking the council because I did say in in in, in my motion I said they do praiseworthy work. It's just 
in some aspects, it's the blind leading the blind. If you're not a veteran and you don't understand the issues, it's very hard for you to counteract that, you know? So what I'm hoping comes from my motion, obviously it's got passed. I'm hoping Swindon Borough Council do start doing care packages and more stuff for veterans. But I'm hoping other councillors see it and then they bring that forward to their council and then it spreads across the UK, you know, because we we gear our vets up. Like when, when they're in the army, they have to do arduous stuff. They get trained, they get put in a certain sort of like lifestyle. And then when they come out, it is really easy just to slip away and, you know, you lose your sense of purpose, you forget things and it's it, you feel like you're not important anymore. So we do need to do more, you know. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, interestingly, veterans helping veterans, you are a veteran, you are championing the cause of, of veterans in your area. I kind of wonder how many more people who've left the service in your situation that, you know, locally they will do something, but locally they will become a, a force multiplier and actually, you know, spread this uh, across the country. Um, I have a question of the year, which I've asked every guest on the NAFI break who's eligible for it this year. So I, I'm now going to ask you the same question. Um, will Stone, what does it mean to you to be a veteran? Well, everything, you know, it's, 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 it's my identity, really, to a certain extent. But in my office, I still have my pass-out picture on the wall. I still have my PTI pass-out picture, you know. I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for the Army. You know, I don't know where I would be, but it, it, it is everything. It's, 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 it's my identity. Like, being Rifleman Stone was a huge, huge thing, you know. And I still enjoy putting my berry on on Remembered Sunday. It's, it's, it's still part of that. It's, it, it's an unexplainable thing, really. You can't, like, obviously, you, can, you know the experience, but... There is something about it when you put on the uniform, you know, it's, it's special. And yeah. Um, just, just another thought on the kind of, you know, veteran side of things. And we, you talk there about, you know, the, we've lost veterans through suicide, et cetera. And there is that, there is that narrative and we, and sometimes the media will focus on the PTSD, the, the negative side of it, but obviously there's a positive side to it as well. And you're, you're a classic example of that, but I kind of wonder how much, responsibility there is on the veteran themselves to to take care to to make sure that they are you know that they don't slip that they don't um you know get into into a bad state and i, and I kind of pick on a particular example and i want your thoughts on it i've seen lots of the veterans who when they leave and you mentioned earlier on about being frustrated you know and looking at the army and going oh i'm fed up with that i can't wait to get out and they almost detach themselves from the very community that they were part of and very, you know, very tightly a part of as well. And it takes them a number of years before they reconnect with that community through reunions or whether it's a Remembrance Day parade or whatever it is. And I, and I just wonder if you see that as a bit of a, a bit of an issue where people leave in, you know, you talk about not having the support there when you first learn to be a civvy, if you like, but do you think there's a, an onus on veterans themselves to keep hold of each other, if you like? Yes and no. So, and that's a very political response. I, I would say I, I would never, in a sense, victim blame because I, I, I haven't been in those dark places, but I, I would imagine when you're there, it's hard to ask for help. You know, especially as, 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 as being in the army guy, the tough guy, you potentially don't want to admit that you're struggling. So I do think there is something there. And I do think, I do also agree that sometimes you have the disgruntled vet who doesn't want to go back and connect with the army because of what has happened or what they perceived has happened in the army. But that's why I think 
the council and my motion is really important because the council is separate to the army. You know, if we have an external force where people can go and communicate and get together there, they might not feel like they're going back to something which has a negative or had had a potential negative impact on their life. So, yes, veterans need to do more. You know, and yes, the army needs to do more to a certain extent. But I also think other people and other organizations can do more as well. Because I always see on Facebook, like my like my friends from the army post and stuff like I'm always here to talk if anyone needs to talk, you know. But it might not always be that simple. Whereas if we have something detached from the army, that might make the difference, you know. I think because it is a tough one, you know, because people don't like to admit they're struggling. You know, it's 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 not when that's not just an army thing, to be fair. Like I set up a um, a cost of living day because obviously we're, we're we're going through tough times with that, and I got loads of local charities on board. I got Nationwide on board. I got like Christians Against Poverty, food banks. I got everyone together, and I was like, "We're all in this room, and anybody from Swindon could come in and they could ask for advice." We didn't have more than ten people show up because people don't want to admit that they're struggling. So that's something we'd have to crack. So I don't know if it's necessarily a veteran thing, and veterans need to do more. We need to find a way to break through that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. One final point that I'd like to kind of propose a little bit here. Let's have a magic wand now. This is a little bit hypothetical and you don't have to commit this to writing. But all of a sudden, you are now the um, Minister for Veteran Affairs. You know, the new new government's in, you've got a new title, you've you're got a cabinet post and you can bring in one policy one policy that for veterans nationally magic wand what would your one policy be so i've I've thought about this 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 a fair amount my policy wouldn't be specifically to veterans My, my policy would be towards the armed forces and it would be more investment in the blokes all right because as you as you're probably aware we have a really high turnover in the army and nobody addresses that You know, they pump money into the armed forces and they say, we need more people, we need this. But the turnover rate is so high. And that has to be because of the quality of living. You know, when I first joined, we did significantly more AT and stuff like that and had more fun from when I when I left because things get cut, you know. So I would have more investment in the blokes. I would listen to the blokes more and I would try and keep people in the army. I would try and make the army an enjoyable experience where people want to be soldiers for a longer period of time because it costs a lot of money to put people through training. It costs a lot of money to gain these skill sets because like, uh, you'll probably you'll probably be the same as me. When I got out of basic training, I was a soldier, but I learned my craft in the regiment. You know, And if everybody's signing off after four years because they think it's shit and they've just been doing weapon cleaning and cleaning the block and doing areas for the four years, you know, we've got to replace those four years of experience. So I think this would help with veteran care and it would potentially reduce suicide because people would be happier and they'd maybe stay in the army longer. So my, my thing would go to the root cause of it, work with the blokes. I'd chin off a lot of the officers, if I'm being honest, because I don't think they have the experience of knowing what it is, you know, and I would put more investment. I'd get more 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 stuff going on, you know, more AT, more sports, more fun things for the blokes because you, you've got to keep people happy. Yeah, and I suppose if we look at that, you know, from from a civilian context, you know, we're talking about people's well-being, we're looking about the quality of life, but we're looking upstream, you know, before there becomes an issue towards the end, actually, we've got a better 
better journey through through the military. Yes. Uh, Will Stone, listen, you've been some fantastic insights there and some thoughts. You know, I, I love the fact you know you have committed yourself to to Swindon and and the people of Swindon by standing up and serving again. I think that you know for anyone who's left the service who sits there bumping their gums about issues in their local community, as you said, get involved you know, step forward and get involved. But uh, yeah, I really want to appreciate you coming on to the NAFU Break podcast and sharing that uh, that experience with us. Yeah, it's fantastic. And um, yeah, I really appreciate having me on. Having me on.